We are so glad to be with you all tonight, and I just wanted to uh, let you know that this is the second part of our series in spiritual warfare, part two. We're going to talk about the amazing effects of, of bad choices and how evil came into the world tonight and how we're not uh, burdened by it and we're not afflicted by it. So, Sandy, would you please open us in prayer? Yes, I will. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to come and talk about these issues, Lord, from your word. Help it to be a blessing to the people that are hearing it, that they can just have more encouragement and strength and hope in you, Lord. And I just pray that what we say will be an honor to you as well, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so why are we singing this song exactly? Okay, this is I'm Trading My Sorrows, and it's talking about how we can have the victory through Jesus. It talks about we're going to have some hard times. We're going to have pain, and we're going to have suffering, and we're going to have persecution, these different things, but we can put those in the hands of the Lord, and this is a victory song. All right, here we go. to spiritual warfare and I'd like to summarize several of the truths that we discovered as we launched into that study. First, guys, it was established that to study spiritual warfare properly, we must look only to the Bible to get a real understanding of what it is and how we're to be involved in it. That's as opposed to just counting on uh, experiments or, or experiences that we've had is what I wanted to say. Secondly, last week, by Scripture, we now understand that when we come to Christ, we declared ourselves to be warriors in this flight, fight, and we move from the realm of evil to the kingdom of God. Thirdly, we determine that whether we want to participate or not, we're caught up in the conflict that goes on in the spiritual world. 
Fourthly, we learn that God has already condemned Satan and his army to the lake of fire, but the sentencing phase will not end until the end of ages. Hence, the spiritual war has been ultimately won. And sixthly, Satan and his beings have been given power for a time to operate freely on the earth. And in fact, Satan is called in Scripture the prince of this air, and, and we'll talk prince of the air, and we'll talk about what that means in a bit. And he is God of the earth, God with a little g. So today we'll look at what the Bible has to say about how this conflict all started, Sandy, and how sinner, sin entered into the world. Right. Do you want to... Uh, I mean, I'll just, I'll just read this next section. Evil is an odd thing. We all know it when we see it. We are witnessing thousands of people at present who seem to be engaging in violence like a pack of dogs among a flock of sheep. Every night, the streets of Portland, Oregon, and other great American cities break out in violence, theft, murder, mayhem hatred, harm, and destruction. And I just want to interject here. What's sad about that is that these people are looking to the wrong thing to bring them comfort and to bring them um, a sense of worth and value. They are looking at things that they destroy, thinking that they're making a statement, and it's leaving them even more empty than the stuff they did before. Understanding evil helps us to understand why such things are happening. When these destroyers are questioned, they spout out all kinds of reasons to be doing what they're doing, but none of it makes a bit of sense. Some mention George Floyd, who had a life filled with violence and wrongdoing. Any rational person has to wonder what destroying businesses and shooting people and burning cities has to do with trying to find some sort of justice, even if one thinks Floyd was unjustly killed. I don't want to diverge and diverge and discuss his criminal past or the details of his arrest, but what I am focusing on is from whence comes such violence. And, and what I want to add there, too, is, yes, he was killed by the police officer. Yes, that did happen. And we wish things like this did not happen. But is this really the way to address that? And it's easy to fall into evil habits if you're not really conscious and trying to discern a better path for, for your outlet of the feelings that you feel. Well, and the real question that, that I've posed here is that, you know, why does this violence happen? That, that's the real question. It's really, really not about George Floyd, but it's why is violence happening? Over the centuries, it's kind of interesting because philosophers have tried to explain, you know, where evil come, comes from. And, and I, there's basically four philosophies about that. The first three are humanistic philosophies. That means that they don't have any sort of involvement in anything about God or anything spiritual. First is the denial of ultimate reality of evil. It says that suffering is just an illusion. It's not really happening, okay? It's not real and it's only perceived. And it's the kind of idea that the Greek philosophy of Platonism that you might have heard of promoted. And then there's these Eastern, Eastern religions we've all seen. And uh, mind science religions, such as Christian science, they've adopted the approach saying that if you can find this right kind of knowledge, you can get on this higher plane, and then it's kind of like you can ignore the fact that evil exists so it really doesn't exist. So that would be the first approach is just the denial of ultimate reality of evil. Secondly, there's people that's, that explain it away by saying there really is no evil because there is no really objective morality. That, you know, what is evil? It's just a relative thing. And it's, a few, it's this view that denies that there's anything that you ought to be doing or ought not to be doing. 
it's what I would say, it's, it's no call for normative behavior. Normative behavior means behavior that you ought to be doing. So it really, it, it's kind of brought out uh, through the whole idea of evolution where, you know, it's, it's survival of the fittest. You know, if, if one dog eats another dog, it's not really evil. It's just what happens in this whole thing. And then we look at that and we're horrified and we call that evil. It's the kind of thing that uh, evil and suffering and misery are just part of the evolving universe. And uh, for example, right now, the virus will keep eating and eating through available hosts till it just burns itself out. There's like no evil in it or no real problem in it. Thirdly is what is called existentialism. It's this whole idea that you kind of see sometimes in art circles that life is absurd, the problems of life are absurd, suffering is absurd, and you ought to just enjoy your life as best you can uh, regardless of the absurdities that are going on around you. And Frank Sinatra one time recorded a song called That's Life, kind of like, hey, that's tough. It's the way life is. It had a line in it that said, riding high in April and shot down in May. You know, it's the idea that, hey, you're going to be up today and then down tomorrow. I remembered a song as I was uh, putting this, sermon, this part of the sermon together, Sandy, that the Beatles did called A Day in a Life. And it's just this kind of ex ex existential uh, one thought going into another uh, and it kind of just says that things just happen, we don't understand them, and we ought to just keep on living life. Well, God's Word gives a totally different approach to why evil exists and what evil is. And that's what we're really going to talk about tonight, and that is the divine viewpoint versus the, the uh, human viewpoint. We're going to look at the rebellion that took place among angels. We're going to look at it in detail. You're going to be able to have this sermon uh, in your own hands next Sunday, and you'll be able to put it in your little book that you're creating. It gives all of the, uh, the verse references that tell us kind of what happened. And it all started in eternity past. Eternity past is way in the past. And we do know this, don't we, from Scripture, Sandy, that, that the angels and everything were created. The, all the orders of angels were created before man was ever created. Right, exactly. Man's actually kind of uh, recent. And, uh, you know, we say eternity past. Well, remember, there, there's a verse in 2 Peter 3, 8 that says, Don't forget this thing, dear friends, that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So that just really means God's not constrained by time. So this stuff happened a long, long, long time ago. We don't know if it was billions of years, trillions of years, or what it might have been. But there's kind of a series of events where there was eternity past, there was an, an angelic conflict, there was the Garden of Eden after mankind was made, and then the cross came, and then we have the present. So if I were to think of it in terms of evil, how it's being played out in the panorama of history, that's how it would be. So we're now going to talk about the world, the flesh, and the devil, which are the three principal attackers that come against us in spiritual warfare. And we're going to figure out scripturally where did these enemies come from. You want to go ahead and start into that? Since you, okay. You, you put, right. She put a lot of time into put this research today. research into this. We have three spiritual enemies, according to the Bible, and that is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you can find that in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Um, I know we're going to go through some verses pretty quickly here, but you will get a printout with this on Sunday, and you can look these verses up uh, when you get home from church on Sunday. How did humans acquire these enemies? Why do we have these enemies? Where did the devil come from? And why is the world considered our enemy? How did our flesh or fleshly desires become an evil thing? And I hope that uh, we can express that and we can explain that as we go through these next paragraphs. 
Um, and we begin with the everlastingness of God. Faber talked about it just above a little bit. Um, David. It's what I called eternity past. Right. Um, David gave praises in the Psalms saying, Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And that's found in Psalm 92. 90 verse 2. 90 verse 2. And um, and Jesus was also with God before the world was created because um, he prayed, before he went to the cross, he prayed, Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory I had with you before the world came into being. And that was something Jesus himself said. That was in John 17, 5. Scripture also tells us that the Holy Spirit was there at creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, hovered over the surface of the waters. And that's found in Genesis 1, 1 through 2. So what we really see in there is the Trinity was at creation. I just wanted to add that. It's one of the places Would in the Bible. you want to do the next little paragraph sure. there? So if you look over in the book of Job, guys, you know, you can see that, that angels were created by God before creation. There's this conversation that goes on between God and Job, and it's real interesting. Uh, I believe it's in Job 38, verses 2 through 7. God says, where were you, Job, basically? He said, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you have wisdom and understanding. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars, and that is a Hebrew term for heavenly beings, while the morning stars sang together and all of the angels shouted for joy. So you guys see the angels and the heavenly beings were already there at creation. At the creation of the world. The creation of the world, yeah, and, and of mankind. God's purpose for his angels, which we can figure out in all kinds of scripture really, it's, it's a threefold thing. Actually, it's more than three, but three that we list here are to protect his holy places, to carry out his will, to transport messages for him, and I would also add, add to do battle. Mm -hmm. uh, the angels, we see them in, in the book of Daniel doing battle with, uh, with this, in this angelic conflict that we're talking about. And Scripture tells us that when Lucifer was created, this is the devil, when he was created as the most beautiful cherub, he was actually a cherub, that had ever been created, that he covered the throne seat of God with his wings. Angels are real, and God created them sometime in eternity past. We have no clue, you know, how much older than mankind they are. And I think it's interesting that Satan was like the person that Lucifer, meaning light bearer, he was the one that was there at the throne of God, you know, with his wings covering the throne of God. It's just incredible. He was very, very special in God's creation. Right. Um, and I'm going to talk about mankind here. Humans, however, were created more recently to rule over the animals and the other creatures of the earth. And he was uh, unique in that he was formed in God's image and likeness. And through God's image and likeness, that gave him the qualities to do the job that God was asking him to do in um, taking care of the earth. God blessed Adam and Eve and told them to be productive and increase in number to fill the earth or replenish the earth, which means to refill it and to subdue it, which is to use its resources and to obey his will while inhabiting the whole earth. And they were to have dominion over all the earthly creatures. 
God's plan was for his kingdom in heaven to be administered and staffed by angels and his kingdom on earth to be administered and populated by humankind. And see Matthew 6.10 with the Lord's Prayer where it says, um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, after Satan attempted to elevate himself above the rest of the angels, he schemed to sabotage God's when he wasn't able to, when he wasn't, when he was blocked from elevating himself above the rest of the angels, Satan then decided to go and try to take away the dominion of the world from Adam and Eve by causing them to disobey God, which is what he ended up doing. Um, it's important to remember that and understand that Satan's great sin was rebellion against God and a wicked desire to be worshipped and glorified as God. I want to then talk about this choice. You know, it's the astonishing effects of bad choices. That's really, or you might say the eternal effects of bad choices. That's going to be the whole theme this week. And you got to realize that from the moment that angels were created and, and later on when men and women were created, they had a choice of whether or not to obey God. Uh, in the case of men, when God put the, this tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden, he gave them one instruction. He said, don't eat from the tree. And God warned them that if they did eat from the, the tree, they would experience death. I don't think they realized what death really was, that it was eternal death, spiritual, or not eternal death, but spiritual death and a physical death. Uh, God warned them, uh, and that's in Genesis 2, 15 through 17. And it's interesting because you think, well, why did God set all this up? Well, if he had not given them a choice, okay, then their obedience would be meaningless. They would just be like robots or uh, automatons. They, they would just be, um, there wouldn't be any merit to following the Lord. And so even though uh, they were created capable of sin in the minute, in the, in the beginning, they were innocent of it, yet they all had this capacity to sin through, pro through improper choices. Uh, they had never committed sin before that or had been exposed to it, okay? So you want to then talk about how Satan entered the yeah, picture okay. and um, helped, helped man and woman. And this is how he tempts. It's a good look at the way spiritual warfare works, Sandy, with the devil whispering things in our ear. Right. And Satan entered the picture in the form of a serpent. Note that Eve wasn't afraid of the serpent. Um, she was in this perfect world where she didn't have anything to fear. And so she wasn't afraid when he came to her. Um, but he did know all about sin. Several scriptures give us insight into his fall. Two of the scripture passages appear as something called taunts or curses against wicked kings of the taunts earth. Taunts is when you make fun of somebody. Right. And um, so the first one is from Isaiah and Isaiah 14, 12 Yeah, and it says, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, Wait a son minute. of the so dawn. So who's he talking about? He's, he's actually talking about the king of Babylon, but he's using something that also refers back to Satan as though the king of Babylon was being used by Satan. So he's addressing both of them in this same um, little address. And, and I want to add something there. You know, it, it can seem confusing seeing him address the, the king of Babylon, but remember in Scripture, Sandy, sometimes... Uh, it, scripture speaks to the person behind whom Satan is acting. Remember when Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan? Right, He was exactly. not calling Peter Satan. Right. He was speaking to Satan, who was the provocateur, you might say, behind Peter's bad heart attitude. Right. 
And then okay. in Revelation, you know, it speaks of Satan's expulsion uh, from heaven, and we'll get to that in a minute. So I just wanted to so point out So did you want that. me to read this, yeah, this yeah. passage? Okay. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And um, that's found in Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. Ezekiel had a similar taunt, but it was for the king of Tyre. You were the seal of perfection. And where's, of where, where's this found? It's in Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19. Okay, go ahead. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. You were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. And that again is Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19. You know, since uh, Satan can't be Lord of heaven, Satan attempts to be the Lord of the earth. Uh, remember that humankind is a pushover, and humankind actually in the scheme of things was created a little lower than the angels. We know that from Psalm 8. And Satan used all of his wiles and guiles against Eve who decided to let Satan's lie become her own truth. She listened to his whisperings that she would surely not die. She would gain knowledge that God was unfairly keeping from her and from Adam. And Adam was right there beside her. We know that from Genesis 3, 4 through 7. You can't just blame Eve. And the sad thing is, is that Satan's trick worked. His temptation worked because they obeyed Satan rather than God. And then Satan took control of them. And in that, he took control over the earth that they were meant to rule. You can read that in Luke 4, 6, Ephesians 2, 2, Ephesians 6, 12, and 1 John 5, 19. Did this, okay, so now I have a question for you. Do you think this event took God by surprise? Because no, it did not. He knew it would happen, although he certainly did not want it to happen. And he already had a plan in place to, re to repair what Satan would break. See Revelation 13, 8, where it talks about that Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth, before the earth was established. It was already put in place that Jesus was going to be slain to save us from our sins. God told the serpent... I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Satan's triumph was only momentary. Jesus destroyed him by the cross and destroyed his tool of ultimate fear being a fear of death. And then I have a verse here from um, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 to 22 that says, Since death came through a man, which was Adam, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all of us die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And I also have there some scriptures, Romans 
5, 8, and 12. So, you know, the question is, does, did God reject? Did he forsake? Did he destroy humankind for their sin or change the plans he had for them? No, he didn't. God still, his purpose is, Sandy, is that man will still, man and women will have dominion over the earth. But man's ultimate rule, which will come about someday, has been delayed for a season. It's been delayed for a time. Because of sin, men and women, men and women now suffer in their daily lives. Their world is, the world is their enemy rather than their property and their possession. We have things like pain now, oppression, hunger, sweat of our brow, difficulty in working, difficult in child, difficulty in childbirthing, disease, and, and finally, ultimately, we experience physical death. We can see this in Genesis 3, verses 16 through 19. And also, men and women have an enemy within them now, which is the lust of their flesh. And Satan will always be at the ready with his lies to pull men and women towards their fleshly desires. 1 John 2, 16 through 17 says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride and possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And we're here tonight to tell you guys that, you know, obeying God is a struggle. It's difficult, but it's not impossible. And it's not impossible because we have the comforter and the empowerer of the Holy Spirit within each of us. When every believer comes to a knowledge, a saving knowledge of Jesus, you are given this promised comforter and he comes in you. And, you know, it is to God's glory that we do what we do. Uh, I'm gonna read John, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 11. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. So what is our jars of clay? It's our bodies. It's the imperfect vessels that we have to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from ourselves. So he put, he put himself into imperfect vessels like us, Sandy, so that these imperfect vessels can be empowered and can do the things that God wants us to do. Right, right. He hasn't left us without help to complete his will and do his will. And then Paul goes on saying, hey, we're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. And this is why we sang what we did tonight. Perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We've been struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus can also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 11. So tonight, I want you to contemplate and think about the fact that there are uh, eternal effects, eternal consequences to bad choices that we make. When the angels made these bad choices, when originally Lucifer made these bad choices, when Adam and Eve made these bad choices, it changed the course of human history. And we're not in possession of the earth, really like God intended for us to be. But what we want to tell you tonight is take heart, because through Jesus Christ, we have overcome. And that's given to us in John 16, 33, in Revelation 12, 11. And John 16, 33, I want to add, is where Jesus says, 
Um, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We're going to go ahead and sing that second verse. We kind of stumbled on that a minute ago. But you know what? We're, we're not crushed. We're, we're, we're Just because we do mistakes and do things, the Lord redeems that. So we're going to sing that part and then go back and end with this little bit. I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. I'm blessed beyond the curse, for His promise will endure. And His joy is going to be my strength. Though sorrow may last for the night, His joy comes in the morning. I'm trading my sorrow. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying down with the joy of the Lord. You do it too with us. thank you for this evening together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that even though the angels fell, even though Lucifer became the devil, even though we have the world against us and we have our flesh against us, Lord, you are all powerful. You put your Holy Spirit in us. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will rest, rule, and reign in the hearts of everyone listening to this podcast, to the whole congregation at Union Grove. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Good night, guys.